Chapter 4 of Fairy Fingers by Anna Cora Mawat Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 4 Proposals On the morrow, at the usual hour for visitors, the Count and his mother sat in the drawing-room awaiting the promised guests. Maurice, at Count Tristan's solicitation, had very unwillingly consented to postpone his customary equestrian exercise, and was sauntering in the garden, wandering over the caprice that prompted his father to desire his presence at the expected interview. The tramp of hooves broke his reverie, and a superb equipage, drawn by four noble horses, postilion-mounted, dashed up the long avenue that led to the chateau. He hastened to the carriage door, and aided the Marchioness de Fleury to alight. The living embodiment of graceful affability, she greeted him with a volley of slaying smiles, then, with an air which betrayed her triumphant certainty of the execution done, glided past him into the drawing-room, almost disappearing in a cloud of lace, as she made a profound obeisance to the Countess, and, partially rising out of her misty entourage, in saluting Count Tristan. Her voice had a low, studied sweetness as she softly syllabled some pleasant commonplaces, making affectionate inquiries concerning the health of the Countess, and simulating the deepest interest as she apparently listened to answers which were in reality unheard. Ere long she winningly unfolded the object of her visit. Her brother, the Duc de Montauban, had prayed her to become his ambassador. He recently had the felicity of meeting the niece of the Countess de Grémont, Mademoiselle Bertha de Meraville. He had been struck and captivated by her grace and surpassing beauty. He now charged his sister to apprise the family of Mademoiselle Bertha that he sought the honor of her hand in marriage, and hoped to obtain a favorable response to his suit. The consternation created by those words did not escape the quick eyes of the marchioness. The count half rose from his seat, white with vexation, then sat down again, and, making an attempt to hide his displeasure, answered in a tone of forced courtesy, "'Though Mademoiselle Bertha de Merivelle is my mother's grand-niece, we have no control over her actions or inclinations.' Her uncle, the Marquise de Merivelle, who is her guardian, is morbidly jealous of any influence exerted over his niece by relatives equally near. The Countess de Grémont, although she also had been greatly disconcerted, recovered herself more quickly than her son, and answered with such an excess of suavity that it had an air of exaggeration we feel deeply indebted for the proposed honour an alliance with a nobleman of the high position and unblemished name of the duke de montauban is all that could be desired for my niece but as my son has remarked 
her guardian is very punctilious respecting her rights and would not tolerate an interference with her future prospects i beg you believe that we are highly flattered by the proposal of the duke de montaubon though we have no power to promote his suit maurice could not help wondering why his father looked so thoroughly vexed and why his grandmother made such an effort to conceal her displeasure by an assumption of overacted gratification the marchioness de fleury betrayed neither surprise disappointment nor emotion of any kind except by gently tapping the ground with her exquisitely gaitered foot that peeped from beneath the mazes of her ample drapery she answered in the most honeyed voice oh i was misinformed and i knew that your charming niece was at this moment visiting you then spreading her bespangled fan and moving it gently back and forward though the day was far from sultry she dismissed the subject by asking maurice if he had delivered madame de tremazon invitations to the ball almost before he had concluded his reply she rose and with the most enchanting of smiles curtsied as though she were making a reverence in a quadrille of the lancers and the lace cloud softly floated out of the room the human being it encircled being nearly lost to sight when it was in motion maurice could not resist the impulse to turn to his father and express his amazement that the complimentary proposal made for bertha by the marchioness de fleury had been so definitely declined adding if my little cousin had been already engaged you could not more decidedly have shut the door upon the duke the count bit his lips and strode up and down the room the countess replied we have other views for bertha views which we trust would be more acceptable to herself but here she comes and i have a few words to say to her in private take a turn with your father in the park maurice while i talk to your cousin she gave the count a significant glance as she spoke father and son left the room as bertha entered for some minutes the two gentlemen walked side by side in silence finding that his father did not seem inclined to converse maurice remarked abruptly now that the visit of the marchioness is over shall i take my postponed ride if you have no further need of me i have need let your horse wait a few moments longer replied the count can you conceive no reason why we did not for one instant entertain the proposition of the marchioness de fleury none it was made entirely according to the rule and if you will allow me to say so common courtesy seemed to demand that it should have been treated with more consideration suppose bertha's affections are already engaged suggested the father ah that alters the aspect of affairs but it is hardly possible she is still so young and appears to be so heart-free still i think she has a preference and if i am not mistaken her choice is one that would give us the highest satisfaction really ejaculated maurice unsuspicious whom then does she honour by her election a very unworthy person rejoined the count in a tone of irritation 
since he is too dull to suspect the compliment. You cannot mean, began Maurice in a confused amazement, but paused, unwilling to finish his sentence with words that rose to his lips. I mean a most obtuse and insensible young man, walking by my side, who has learned to interpret Greek and Latin at college, but not a woman's heart. Impossible! You are surely mistaken. Bertha has only bestowed upon me a cousinly regard, answered Maurice, evidently more surprised and embarrassed than pleased by the unexpected communication. I presume you do not expect the young lady herself to make known the esteem in which she holds you, undeserving as you are. You must take our word for her sentiments. What this alliance would be to our falling house I need not represent. It is not even necessary that you should enter into the merits of this side of the question. You must see that Bertha is beautiful and lovable, and would make the most delightful companion for life. Is this not so? Yes, she is beautiful, lovable, and would make a delightful companion, answered Maurice, as though he echoed his father's words without knowing what he said. Is she not all you could desire? All, all I could desire as, as a sister, replied Maurice. But the question is now of wife, rejoined the Count angrily. Are you dreaming that you pour upon the ground and answer in that strange, abstracted manner? Maurice looked up, as if about to speak, but hesitated, dubious what reply would be advisable. The Count went on. Maurice, your grandmother and I have this matter deeply at heart. Besides, Bertha loves you. You cannot treat her affection with disdain. Promise me that you will at once have an understanding with her, and let this matter be settled. It must not be delayed any longer. Why do you not reply? Yes, yes, you are right. I ought to have an understanding with her. I will have, replied Maurice, still in a brown study. That is well, and let it be as soon as possible, today or tomorrow at latest, before this ball takes place, before you meet the Marchioness de Fleury again. Maurice answered hastily, You need not fear that I desire any delay. You have put an idea into my head which would make suspense intolerable. I will speak to her without loss of time. And now will you allow me to wish you good morning? My horse has been saddled for an hour. Saying this, he walked towards the stable and talked to Gustave, who at once appeared, leading the horse. The vicomte vaulted upon his back, and, starting off at full gallop, in a few moments was out of sight. His father was mystified, doubtful of the real feelings of Maurice, and uncertain what course he was meant to pursue, but well assured that he would keep his word, and, if he did, it would be impossible for him to introduce this delicate subject without compromising himself, nay, without positively offering himself to Bertha. The very mention of such a theme would be a proposal, and, with this consolatory reflection, he returned to the chateau. As he passed the drawing-room, he caught sight of Bertha sitting at his mother's feet. The latter was holding both of the young girl's hands and talking to her earnestly. Bertha's 
countenance wore an expression of maidenly confusion and perplexity which even if the count had not been aware of his mother's intentions would have betrayed the nature of her discourse End of chapter four